All right, welcome into Surviving Paradise, the podcast that takes a sometimes serious, oftentimes humorous look at the claim by Jehovah's Witnesses that they are living in a modern-day spiritual paradise, and boy, has the earth shifted on its axis. I am your host, Stacy Bauman, former elder, ministerial servant, most importantly, a kid raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses throughout the 70s and 80s. Warning, we try to have fun here. Fun will be had, especially this week, but we're also trying to heal. There's sarcasm, humor, lots of personal experiences and observations. Please note, it is never meant to offend, particularly now when emotions are probably particularly raw after the 2023 annual meeting of Jehovah's Witnesses, which took place last Saturday. Where do I begin, folks? Where do I begin? I have to confess I needed a week to breathe. And at this point, I'm going to warn everyone from the very beginning, I'm pissed. And there's going to be a lot of pent-up anger, probably some swearing, I apologize in advance, and some candor for the next hour or so on this crazy little show. There really isn't any amount of therapy, meditation, or walks in the woods that has helped me personally exercise the anger that is seeping out of my every pore over the last week or so. Just when you didn't think it could get any worse in the world of Jehovah's Witnesses, it got worse. I wanted to put some time between the reality of it all and, frankly, turning on the microphone and having anything to say about it. For fear that, truthfully, this episode would be a giant vent session. And, well, I have to be honest with you, it's going to be... You've been warned. Feel free to exit now. I'm going to vent, and I would encourage anyone who spent any time within Jehovah's Witnesses with all the changes in the last seven days to vent as well. I'm about it, and I'm about to. I realize that anyone or everyone who may listen to this crazy show may not like this or what I have to say, but if anything, it made me feel good. It's like yelling decades of pain and embarrassment into the void of the universe. And if anything, I'll feel better once it's done. At least I hope so. And I hope you do as well. The 2023 annual meeting of Jehovah's Witnesses has rocked to the organization. God's people, you remember, their claim, not mine. Everything has changed. And nothing matters. Literally, nothing. Choose a subject. Choose a belief. Choose any doctrine you want taught by Jehovah's Witnesses. And well, as of last Saturday, none of it matters anymore. None of it. Nothing matters. They went scorched earth on a faith that's over 150 years old, if you go back to our guy Chuck Russell in the beginning, and everything is burnt to the ground. And while I'm prone to hyperbole and dramatics, I can't help but feel that I'm right. Nothing matters among Jehovah's Witnesses. 
the entire group, if you're a JW out there, a PMO, POMO, or someone who's left, look, they're never going to be the same after last week. The religion has officially completely changed from my time as a Jehovah's Witness. And don't think I haven't considered that I could call up any of my former close friends that now shun me and ask them about this. And they probably wouldn't even know what I was talking about. That dynamic continues. Feel free to approach a Jehovah's Witness and ask them about the changes at the 2023 annual meeting. I can guarantee you the vast majority didn't listen to it or won't even know about it. I'm venturing and placing my bet now that the majority of witnesses have no idea about these changes until they hear it from an apostate or they see it online or they see it from a witness, the small minority that may have watched it. And these changes are so dramatic, you can literally consider the last 153 years going back to 1870, all the lives spent in service to this cult as a complete loss. Nothing matters. Literally nothing. And if you're a Jehovah's Witness and you easily dismiss this and all these changes as no big deal, or you put it in the column that you call progress or maybe new light, they covered that too. We're going to do that in another episode. One of my faves, as you know, I can only beseech you to truly tap into the brain you believe Jehovah God gave you. Everything you've ever believed in, everything you've ever worked for, all those years of your life, they now mean nothing as of last Saturday. Jesus, by means of his nine guys in upstate New York, has moved the ball again. He has completely and totally changed the religion. We are told he established on this planet to save our lives. Now look, I am admitting that early and often in this episode, I'm drowning in negative emotions. And I'm not even really sure where to begin on this. It's taken me a week to come off the ceiling. This might just be the giant rant I promised, and again, you've been warned. I'm struggling to find anything informative about what happened or about this. I'm angry. And if you're a Jehovah's Witness, you really should be angry too. For those that may not realize this, the 2023 annual meeting of Jehovah's Witnesses happened last Saturday, October 7th. And I can't help but think of the book of Revelation. What beast? What bull? What baby? What whore? What scorpion? What lion? Or what dragon is this epic disaster? They have a long history of attaching changes of this magnitude to some crazy diatribe in the Bible, and they love that book of Revelation five books deep. I'm trying to explain it. There are several things to unpack from what is concrete proof that 8 million people who believe this is God's organization absolutely need to consider. I realize that there is duality in all of this. The strange juxtaposition that most who listen to this crazy show have already left and will now be dealing with feeling both validated and also wanting to break down in tears for all that these guys 
have taken from us. And there are then, I should say, there are those that may be peamy or pomy that are sitting on the fence and feel a real world cognitive fight going on inside of them at this moment. Well, I'm going to land on the two biggest changes from this meeting. I'm going to look at the two things that stood out to me. I mentioned the new light talk. We'll get to that down the road. I can't even consider it right now. And, and let all of us do with what I share what we will. It's up to you. These are my observations. Hopefully all of us can learn something. I always want to believe there is some sort of comfort or validation in here somewhere. But that truthfully may take some time as you digest this latest round of changes that came to us from the throne of Jesus through nine guys in upstate New York. There's going to be a lot of personal reflection that many people will do after this momentous occasion in God's organization. I'm going to start with the first one. The thing that really popped for me and for those of us that were Jehovah's Witnesses that studied, or maybe we were in a Watchtower study conductor or a pioneer who conducted lots of book studies or Bible studies, excuse me, uh, or you were a book study conductor, whatever the case may be, there was a change so significant here and it got overlooked by something else that I'll tackle down the line. A change so significant that I, I had to really wonder if people had truly taken a few minutes and sat back and contemplated what they just did last Saturday, October 7th. Jesus decided to shift things in a way that there's no coming back from. It all centers on my first and biggest observation from the annual meeting, the Great Tribulation. You remember that one. If you were a kid raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, you lived in fear of it. They've amped up the fear in recent years with lots of Hollywood-like production videos showing people running and hiding in bunkers and secret door knocks and guys contemplating whether they should buy a gun or not. No, Jesus doesn't want that. We've seen all sorts of emotional, just persecution and fear that has come from the studios of Jehovah's Witnesses regarding the change that stood out to me, the Great Tribulation. For those that haven't heard, the earth shook last Saturday when Jesus guy Jeffrey Jackson got up on stage and told the world that everything a Jehovah's Witness lives for now means nothing. The big news. Here's what he taught. That in the closing seconds of the Great Tribulation, the closing seconds, an event every witness has eagerly anticipated for over a century, a person, any person, during this time period of the Great Tribulation, and that includes disfellowship people, us awful apostates, anyone who's left and drifted away and faded, anyone who just didn't get baptized because they could see through it all, anyone in the closing moments of the Great Tribulation, according to Jeff Jackson, can decide Jehovah's Witnesses were right after all and decide they want to live in paradise. Say it out loud and boom, they too get into paradise in the closing seconds of the Great Tribulation. P. 
Picture it with me. In the closing minutes of this massive tribulation, as the skies turn red and Jeff himself joins Jesus in a mass slaughter of everyone not a Jehovah's Witness, someone, anyone, can instantaneously convert, claim that the nine guys in New York were right all along, and folks, they're in. They're in. And well, what a change that is for those of us who know about all the old teachings on the Great Tribulation. Because when you sit back and contemplate what they did with this change, you realize that they literally obliterated the religion of Jehovah's Witnesses. They obliterated it. Everything attached to it, as I'm about to rant on, is now meaningless. For anyone that has been a Jehovah's Witness for any significant amount of time, this is earth-shattering. And when you're swimming in cognitive dissonance, you tend to sit back and go, "Ah, oh, yeah, that's a big change. Uh, let's go out to let's go to the coffee break." You don't contemplate the repercussions. Let me give you some examples. From the Watchtower, October 2019, just four years ago, paragraph six. Keep busy during the last days is the article. We were told this by Jeffrey Jackson and his buddies. Quote, besides staying awake ourselves, we also want to help others wake up to what the Bible foretold would happen in the world. Pay close attention. Quote, let us remember that once the great tribulation begins, it will be too late for people to turn to Jehovah. That is why our preaching work is so urgent. End quote. See last week's episode on urgency. Did you catch it? It's pretty straightforward. Once the Great Tribulation begins, it's too late to convert to Jehovah's Witnesses. That was from 2019. As of October 7th, 2023, Jeffrey Jackson and his pals got on stage and told the world that, eh, nah, you can convert in the closing seconds as Armageddon is beginning. Wh what? If you haven't sat back, whether you're a Jehovah's Witness or someone who's long left, and really thought about what this means, I encourage you to do so. Because they literally just changed all of Jehovah's Witness theology. They just changed the religion, people. They want you to believe that Jesus has been sitting on this, by the way, for over a century. And just now, October 7th, 2023, at the annual meeting, decided to tell us about it. That's right. He allowed them for well over a century to teach us so many different things and then had just now changed it in 2023 without any recognition of what that did to people in our neighbors uh, in the field service who heard the old light. No. They just imploded. They just went scorched earth on the theology of Jehovah's Witnesses. This isn't me being dramatic. This is fact. The entire world, anyone you may know, can now wait they can wait until there is visible proof during the Great Tribulation that Jehovah's Witnesses are the one and 
only religion, then in the ultimate foxhole Christian move, decide that they too want to be a Jehovah's Witness. What does that mean? It means you didn't have to waste years, if not decades of your life, watching, teaching, after teaching change, and maintaining faith. All the new light, old light, reverse back to old light, up to new light. You could have ignored it all. None of it mattered. It doesn't matter anymore. You can wait till you're standing there and become a Jehovah's Witness. So I ask anyone who might be listening, what is the point of preaching? What is the point? Why are Jehovah's Witnesses going to knock on doors anymore or stand next to a book cart? What is the point? Because during the Great Tribulation, when Babylon the Great and all of religion is gone, and you see only one religion, you can obviously see that the guys in New York had it right all along, you just give them a high five and you enter the new world. They didn't have to live their lives as a Jehovah's Witness. They just waited till there was visible proof that they were the one and only religion on this earth. Everyone else is gone. There they are. I can become a Jehovah's Witness now before the uh, wagon turns into a pumpkin. <laughs> People, this is a massive change. This has obliterated their faith and everything that touches it. The entire planet can now wait. They can wait. They could go about their lives and they can go, oh God, things are really getting bad on this planet. All the religions are gone. Never thought I'd see that day. Look who's left. Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm going to be a Jehovah's Witness. It has obliterated over a century of the Jehovah's Witness religion. From the Nine Guys in New York, Bible teachings, Bible questions answered, what is the Great Tribulation? Now featured on their website at this very moment, we get this, quote, under the subheading, Judgment of Earth's Inhabitants. Quote, Jesus will judge all mankind and will separate people one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The basis for his judgment will be the support or lack of support that each person gave to Jesus' brothers, those who will rule with him in heaven. End quote. I think we all know who Jesus' brothers are. It's the anointed, specifically the nine guys in upstate New York, the faithful and discreet slave, the governing body. But Jesus was coming down and he's going sheep, goat, goat, sheep, sheep, goat, all based on the support or lack of support any human being gave to the nine guys in upstate New York. So it begs a question. The clock is ticking. It's about to hit midnight. Here comes a fireball shower from Jeff Jackson and his friends. How is anyone showing support for the nine guys in New York at the very end of the Great Tribulation? What does that support look like in the closing moments of this planet, in this world? And am I the only one that thinks this is all sounds a lot like, I don't know, creature worship? Like they're actually pushing us to worship these men? And is anyone surprised that it's all about them? 
you need to support them or uh, they can execute you. It's stunning. It's stunning. But it begs the question, wait a minute. We've been teaching for many, many years that people get into paradise on this earth by how they support the governing body and the faithless crusade. How are you going to show support as the sky turns red? Not if it matters anymore. Nothing matters. You can just turn to your left or your right, and you can go from a goat to a sheep by going, oh, look at that. Jehovah's Witnesses are the only ones left. I think I'll join them. Why not? But one more among hundreds, if not thousands of references I could share, but in the interest of time, won't. From the OP book, pages 3 through 30, the entire chapter are problems. Who will help us solve them in their 1990 publications index? It says this, using an experience. I'm going to butcher the names. Quote, if Mysterje is right, she said, any God is soon going to destroy wicked people and we will be safe. This is obviously one of their famous experiences. No one can corroborate. Back to the quote, we do not cheat or lie. We go to the temple and pray and we lead a moral life. No harm can come to our family. It would certainly be necessary to lead a moral life to survive God's destruction of wicked people. Daddy, Miriam responded, he would not want people in this new world who lie, cheat, and kill, or it would be no different from the present world, would it? But just think, Daddy, in a mad time of disaster, excuse me, like a flood, the government gives us specific instructions for survival. These are based on their knowledge of the exact situation and what they know is going to happen. We would not sit at home and say, I am a good person, so I will not drown, will I? <laughs> now, God is going to bring a much greater disaster than a flood. He is bringing a war, which the Bible calls Armageddon, that will affect every individual on earth. The Holy Scriptures tells us that being morally good is one basic necessity for survival. But God has also given other specific instructions based on his knowledge of the situation. These also we must follow if we are to survive. Those who follow God's instructions would be considered righteous, upright, and blameless ones who the Bible says will be left over in the earth when God destroys the wicked. Quote, end quote. In one of their harebrained experiences that no one knows if it's even reality or if this person is a real person, they reiterate the point that during these last days, during the Great Tribulation, you'd have to have a record of faith. You'd have to have a record of having been obedient to the guys in New York, to the Holy Bible, to Jehovah, to Jesus. You couldn't be passive. You couldn't lead an immoral life and still survive. That made you a goat. No, you had to have a record of service based on knowledge if you were to survive. And I'm here to tell you that as of last Saturday, October 7th, not anymore. Not anymore. A person 
can make a last-minute decision. No morals needed. No track record. No history. You do have to say, actually, that the nine guys were right all along. you got to recognize the nine guys, even though this latest new light proves that they weren't right at all. <laughs> no irony there. And you just feel the surge of cognitive dissonance. They're now teaching that all you have to do is recognize them during the Great Tribulation. Just recognize them and say, ah, I want to be with those guys. I want to live in that forever thing. Only proving that everything they've ever taught was wrong. And in the giant circular reasoning that gets, gives you a migraine headache, it's all right there under your nose. But all you have to do is say that you believe they're the one true religion, because obviously they are in the closing moments, and you live. None of this means a damn thing anymore. The entire teaching surrounded the Great Tribulation, survival into a new earth, and all the effort you've put in means nothing. I had some similar random thoughts that, as you know, I share. So here goes. When considering the Great Tribulation and this latest change, this latest flash of new light at the annual meeting, when you knew it was all wrong and you were told you were becoming apostate, did you realize with this new flash that, well, you still have a chance. You're now just fine if you change your mind during the Great Tribulation. You just need to repent by seeking out your local body of elders and apologize despite the fact that the reason you went apostate was absolutely correct and they were wrong all along. And here they are in a massive change admitting it. You left because you didn't think we had it all together that we were teaching correctly? Ah, oh, just say you're sorry and you're back in. Well, yeah, but that doesn't change the fact that you were wrong when what you were teaching us. No, you need to apologize. Just apologize. Then we'll let you in. Or how about this? For disfellowship people that knew these assholes were wrong, you're now okay again. How do you feel? You still get the chance to live in a paradise earth. You don't even have to seek reinstatement at this point. Don't bother. Don't write that letter. Don't sit in front of those three guys. You know my feelings on that. You could just show up at the Great Tribulation and go, Eh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, you know, I'm disfellowship now. And Jeffrey Jackson says it in the talk. Even disfellowship people. What does disfellowship mean at this point? What does the whole arrangement mean at this point? Are they moving on something? I think they are. None of it means anything. Because at the Great Tribulation, you could just shrug your shoulders and say, Well, I'm sorry. I always knew Jehovah's Witnesses were right. I want to be one now. Oh, look at that. Here comes an earthquake. Yeah. Nothing means anything anymore. But at no point are you going to get an apology for being correct or for saying you were sorry and being misjudged. Never mind the decades you lost with your family, some of whom have now died. And we have no idea what's going to change on the resurrection any minute now. But you won't get it back. Just say you're sorry at the end of the Great Tribulation and you're in. And if you're a Jehovah's Witness listening, how does any of this make any sense to you? Are we to believe that in the final moment, moments, I should say, of Noah's flood event, 
No one gets a lot of play here, and they make it so by pointing to him as the example. Are we to believe that people weren't clawing at the ark trying to get in in the closing moments? It's safe to say that most of us grew up with the Bible stories book featuring people begging to be saved, to get in the ark. Women holding babies, realizing Noah was right after all. There was going to be a flood. But no go, you get to drown. And drown they did. You may even remember, for those of us old enough, listening to the drama at the district convention. I don't remember the year, I apologize. Where the audio featured people screaming outside the ark. Screaming, begging, and pounding on the door of the ark begging Noah to let them in. Do you remember that? Do you remember that drama? But now it doesn't mean anything, folks. Now we are to believe that anyone alive that looks around and sees Jehovah's Witnesses alone standing during this great tribulation will be able to beg their way out of a fireball. They just got to say, oh yeah, the night guys were right all along. I'm in. Do any of us have any idea what they just did to us or to you? Most of us have left, including me. But it doesn't dismiss the insult. They literally just looked a Jehovah's Witness in the eye and told you, Hey, you've wasted your life. You've wasted it. You could have been that engineer. You could have been that concert pianist. You could have went out for sports in school. You could have started a band. You could have went to college. You could have had 20 kids if you wanted. You could have done it all. But you passed it all up to remain loyal to some guys in New York who needed you to push their books, their videos, and most importantly, their agenda. And now everything you did, all those hours, all those sacrifices, things you can't go and get back, like time or childbirth, depending on your age, all of it, the sacrifices, the hours, the time, all of it is garbage. You didn't have to do it at all. Just make a change when you can clearly, visibly see the governing body is the only religion left. And voila, you're in paradise. No lifetime of sacrifice. No living check to check. No giving up everything you ever wanted, dreamed about, your hobbies, your loves. No persecution. No need to give your life for blood or to remain neutral. None of it. Just make the change when it's obvious, when they're the only guys left at the end of the Great Tribulation. Nothing means anything if you're a Jehovah's Witness. And if you're not angry, please, please, Give this some thought. This is an all-time level of evil. 
for those that have been entrapped or trapped into being a Jehovah's Witness. And as always, and I don't know why, you can see my training comes through sometimes. I couldn't help but think, does any of this, as of last Saturday, a change that obliterated their religion, obliterated the lives of people, obliterated sacrifice, obliterated the dreams. I could just keep going. Does any of this remind anyone else of the talking snake who told the perfect naked girl in that garden that nothing she was hearing was actually true? Have the nine guys Jesus chose sat back and realized the similarity between themselves and the great enemy Satan who was so desperate for man to know that Jehovah is constantly changing his mind that Satan went from looking like an invisible Brad Pitt to putting himself inside a snake just to get his point across? That Jehovah and his little tiny organization that was currently built there in the garden were lying to them? Does anyone realize that, uh, Satan was right. <laughs> the entire religion at this point in October 2023 is a moot point. All of mankind, everyone you've ever loved, everyone you've ever encountered, everyone you've ever seen could have and can just wait until the Great Tribulation and Armageddon arrive for total affirmation that by golly, Jehovah's Witnesses are God's chosen religion. They would be the only ones left standing, and they just taught that any thinking human being can make that decision at the last minute without ever having to wear a suit and tie, without ever knocking on a door, without ever wearing a napkin on your head if you're a woman, without ever going into a stinky bathroom at the district convention, without ever donating your money, without ever hiding that you're gay, without ever attending a judicial meeting, without ever shaving your face. Nothing. Nothing. None of it matters. It doesn't matter anymore. It's all a moot point. Every human being can just be there when Jesus ends all the other religions, points his fingers at the guys in New York and says, See, I told you, those are my guys. And then decide you want to be a Jehovah's Witness in the closing seconds and collect your khakis, never-ending fruit bowls, and a pet elephant. That's it. That's the religion of Jehovah's Witnesses as we sit here right at this very moment. The entire religion and everything in it with this teaching on the Great Tribulation is unnecessary. And Jesus thought this was it? This is the way he wanted to reveal this? Now, in 2023, was the time to share this little fact with all of mankind? What about all the people that are gone? What about all the people that are dead? What about all the people who gave their lives in persecution in several countries when they could have just said, ah, I'm not going to be a Jehovah's Witness. I'll wait till they can prove it. What about all those people? 
All those years wasted, all the missed opportunities, all the conventions, the money, the buildings, the depression, the loss, the divorces, the children who died because they didn't want blood. It was all unnecessary. <laughs> it was a scam. And they stood there on stage last week and showed it to you. I mentioned at the end of last week when discussing the lack of urgency from Jehovah's Witnesses in the last days that nowhere was it more apparent that than when you watched a Jehovah's Witness parent who failed to raise their kids to be baptized Jehovah's Witnesses too, watching them live a life of sin, never admitting that they failed as a parent, obviously, and yet they still associate with their kids. Well, good for them. Good for them. Because a week later, this podcast host and the entire universe was wrong because none of it matters. The kids were the smart ones. They could go live the life they always wanted to live now, and they can show up at the end with mom and dad and go, ah, thanks mom and dad. It looks like you were right. I'll be a witness now. They sneak in the back door. But let's pretend that this is indeed new light from Jesus. Evidently, see what I did there? Evidently, a grossly irresponsible king who likes toying with his loyal followers for decades. Let's say the nine guys in New York are once again blessed with Holy Spirit and they're correct about all of this. What's it going to look like? In this long rant and ramble, I had to go forward and backward on all of this because it's just so incredible. But what it's, what's it going to look like, folks? Have you thought about it? How's it going to work exactly? You're someone who's lived on the fringe, decided not to be a Jehovah's Witness. You just kind of associate, that's a lot of people. You just kind of lived eh, on the fringe or you were sinning secretly. And now the time has come, and it's in print. Okay? It's in print. The Great Tribulation's here. I can see that they're the only ones that were right. Mom and Dad were right. All my friends are right. I'm going to be one now. And the skies are getting red. It's getting scary. But it's in print that you have to be baptized. You have to be baptized to survive into the new system of things. So as I watch Jeffrey Jackson ramble on in the most unbelievable change that obliterated this religion, I couldn't help but think, does baptism mean anything? Does baptism mean anything? We've been told that you have to get baptized to survive this thing. From the Pure Worship Book, chapter 16, page 179, paragraph 17, we are told this from Jesus through his guys in New York. Quote, to survive the coming destruction, individuals need to prove their faith now. Huh. Before the destruction comes, individuals need to be sighing and groaning, deeply grieved at heart over the wickedness of this world. And rather than hide their feelings, they must demonstrate by words and actions their devotion to pure worship. How can they do so? They need to react favorably to the preaching work that is being done today to continue putting on a Christ-like personality to get 
baptized in symbol of their dedication to Jehovah and to support Christ's brothers loyally. Only those who pursue such a course now, now, and who enter the great tribulation as pure worshipers, going to back up and say it, and enter the great tribulation as pure worshipers will be in a position to be marked for survival. End quote. How long before that book's mothballed? Everything we've ever believed, everything we've ever been taught, centers on getting baptized and living a life with a track record as the Great Tribulation begins. Not anymore. Not anymore. So how's it all going to work in the closing seconds of this world? If we weren't doing that, no pool party, no Livy forever. Uh-uh. So just picture it. The world is ending. All of the religions are gone. Babylon the Great's long gone. Are they going to have mass baptism pools somewhere where people can report in and get baptized at the last second? The sky's turning dark. The earth is moving. There's a pool. Jump in it really quick. Can you picture thousands, if not millions, of people climbing into water somewhere as the sky is raining fire, the earth is shaking, and millions of others have suddenly decided, for no explicable reason, to reject living forever? Why would anyone do that? That's a whole other question in this drama. Despite the fact that they no longer have to live a life that the rest of us have had to, that the rest of Jehovah's Witnesses needed to, to survive. Things like shunning family, missing birthdays, and being permanently depressed. Will a cup of water over my head do the job? Just a quick splash of water? Am I in? It's the Great Tribulation, after all, and my local swim center is closed down at the moment. I'm going to venture a guess that I'm not alone in thinking about all of this. But in print, you had to get baptized. You had to enter the Great Tribulation as a Jehovah's Witness. You had to have a track record. Not anymore. It's all gone. And what? Is baptism gone? Does that even matter? Can we all just sit back here, this guy included, this apostate, anyone out there who's just fellowship listening, can we all kick back and then as the sky turns red, I'll run toward a kingdom hall and say, hey, we want in, kind of like they did Noah's Ark. That didn't end so well. So I'm not sure where they're getting this story from. They claim it's Jesus. And wow, has the governing body's entire tone changed in 2023. Take a gander at the guys Jesus chose before him, long before Jeff took an oath in Australia and then lied to millions at the Australian Royal Commission. Couldn't be lied now, right? Never mind. The Watchtower of 1971, January 15th, pages 63 through 64, questions from the readers ask a very good question. Join me here. The question is, can it be stated flatly that only baptized witnesses of Jehovah will survive Armageddon? Damn good question from someone in the U.S. Here's the answer from them. Quote, Instead of looking for loopholes in God's arrangement for salvation, what all humans who desire preservation need to do is take full advantage of God's merciful opportunity to serve him. 
and they need to do so now. 1971 reference. Before it becomes too late to begin thinking about becoming a servant of Jehovah, the sheep who are preserved into everlasting life will be responsible persons who do God's will as completely as possible. The Bible shows, without doubt, that Jehovah's will for humans today includes being baptized and being public witnesses of him. End quote. No one gets into the paradise without being baptized. How's this going to work? How's it going to work? No track record. In fact, your track record track record, if you look at it real closely, you were out there wine, women, and songs, sex, drugs, and rock and roll until the earth changed colors and the sky went black. Now I'm going to listen to that. Foxhole Christians, huh? If you watch the video of the annual meeting and good old Jeffrey explaining this new light, he makes little jokes about not being dogmatic. And we would never be disappointed if people decided to join us last minute, would we? The crowd giggles. The crowd of witnesses at the annual meeting giggled at that. And I just was wanted so badly to be in the crowd, stand up and go, okay, Jeff, but do they need to get baptized? Does anyone need to be baptized anymore? How did they support you jackasses so that you gave them a pass last minute while you act as executioner on the rest of us? They're doing this to your face. They've obliterated their own religion. Baptism doesn't matter. Having a track record of faith and belief in this organization doesn't matter. And for those of us who just don't buy it, this guy Jeffrey Jackson's going to kill us all anyway. This is almost like fan fiction at this point. The great Jehovah's Witness myth that Jehovah reads hearts also means you must be baptized to survive. Now includes a ton of questions as to how that is going to work as the skies change color. Without any explanation, you have to wonder if this will soon change as well. Do you suppose they may have missed a few details when they came up with this new light? I was thinking this during his talk. And that's the difference between being under the spell of a cult and being free of that cult. Those in the audience giggled when Jeff was like, oh no, it'd be really great if everyone shows up with 10 seconds left and becomes a Jehovah's Witness. And it's something about Jonah and Nineveh. And, and the crowd giggled as he looked them in the eye and said, you've wasted your life. Thank you. And you have to marvel that these guys get in a room and come up with this stuff, claim it comes from Jesus without thinking about the many repercussions that some of us can think of during the talk. <laughs> but according to this new light, a person can simply actually wait for visible proof that Jehovah's Witnesses are correct and convert in the closing seconds of the Great Tribulation as Armageddon begins? Really? 
A person can see that only Jehovah's Witnesses are surviving the firestorm and decide to get on board almost like they got over on everyone for living a good, fun life. But well, now it's time to get on the ark. The water is here. And it's odd because they point to Noah and none of this matches the Noah story. People got to scream outside the ark and drowned. But if you want to throw all of that out, and I'm not sure how you can, I do understand the power of cognitive dissonance and sunk cost fallacy. I get it. How about this one? How about this? Jesus' words to the thief hanging next to him while he laid down his life for us was uh, all we ever needed all along, huh? What? Wait, wait, what? In a moment of clarity, as the thief was dying, he looked over at Jesus and in his dying breath, told him, hey, I'd like to be with you forever. Jesus turned and looked at him and gave him the guarantee that he would. I'm not going to get into the paradise thing here. He was talking about heaven. And that was it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43, New World Translation, quote, then one of the criminals hanging there began to speak abusively to him, saying, You are the Christ, are you not? Save yourself and us too. In response, the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God at all, now that you have received the same judgment? And we rightly so, for we are getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man did nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus... Remember me when you get into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. End quote. Well, would you look at that? Would you look at that? In God's instruction manual to man, we learn that timing is everything. Really? It doesn't matter if you're late to the game. Just ask to be there. The problem here? Uh, I'm not one to correct Jesus himself, but Jesus, by means of Jehovah's Witnesses, has just spent the last 153 years, going back to Chuck Russell in 1870, changing his mind on this very thing over and over and over and over again regarding things like salvation, baptism, tribulations, Armageddon, timing, what's required, and a whole bunch more. Only to then, on October 7th, 2023, send a memo to his guys in New York that, well, ha, hey guys, Hey, listen in. Sorry if this whole ransom salvation thing got confusing in the last century. Back to me on that stake. Remember that? I meant what I said. Someone can look at me, or you guys in New York, at the very last minute, at the beginning of Armageddon, and they get to live forever too. 
Kind of like I said to that thief guy when I was hanging next to him on the stake. Oh, and he's sitting here with me now on my right here in heaven, nodding his head in agreement too. We are both very excited to bring you back to that moment in the Bible. Not sure why I felt like I had to change it the entire teaching multiple times and confuse all of mankind on earth. But hey, guys, guess what? New light. I know. I know. In reality, it's old light found in a book I said would completely equip mankind. But ignore that. I meant what I said on the stake after all. Once it's obvious that Jehovah's Witnesses are right and people see that and agree, everyone gets in. Kind of like my friend here to my right. Just a last second recognition and you're on the fast track to a mansion, perfect skin, eating pineapple on the back of your pet giraffes. New light. I mean, oops, uh, uh, old light, but it's new now, right? Old light that's now new light. <laughs> the entire concept that someone could change their mind, show faith and get in, has been right there the entire time in a book known as the Bible, taught to us by a guy named Jesus, who then changed it all. But then now he's changing it back? This new light that someone can become a Jehovah's Witness or a Christian, in the closing seconds, as death is upon them, has been there all along. There is nothing new about it. The only question a Jehovah's Witness should be asking is why Jesus went from this simple event on the stake to changing it all multiple times over a century, adding requirements, adding time gates, rules such as baptism, who has no chance no matter how much they beg when his guys would leave the planet leaving us lowly sheep here to face Armageddon. On and on it goes. Jesus didn't say much to the thief, did he? He just said, hey, you're going to live with me in heaven. Not a lot of details. Not a lot of time gates. Not a lot of requirements. Jesus also was sure we all knew this by recording it in his magic book. He also never changed this message in the rest of his magic book. Even Mr. Warm and Fuzzy, the Apostle Paul, backs this up. And yet October 7th, 2023, Jeff Jackson gets up there, the crowd's giggling, and he just got over on them. And if you just want to laugh at it, that's fine. That's your choice. But people have died. People have died. Many thousands have died. Believing their bullshit. Bullshit that they're now coming clean on without anyone even raising their hand to ask why. So the question a Jehovah's Witness should be asking following this momentous 2023 annual meeting where it is now recorded as canon that anyone can have a change of heart during the Great Tribulation when only Jehovah's Witnesses are standing there, no word yet that they've shaved or they have ties and dresses on, but there is visible proof that they're the one and only religion immediately narrowing salvation down to the nine guys who claim to know him, who have changed that message to mankind several times in the last century, only to now revert back 
to what Jesus said all along, hanging on a stake next to a bad guy. If you're a witness listening in, just where might the problem be? Do you really believe this is how Jesus of the Bible acts? Do you really believe he kept this for mankind for the last century? Do you really believe he misled and let people be fooled in the field ministry with past teachings? There's a lot of questions. And if you're not pissed, I'm very curious as to why. But it keeps getting better. Yet another thought I had during the talk. Maybe you haven't even considered this if you're someone listening. If you're a Jehovah's Witness, you're good to leave now. Go ahead. Something you don't agree with, leave. Something you don't like, leave. This whole situation with child safety has been eating at you, leave. If there is something you want to do or something you want to experience, you're good to go. Leave. Because you can then come back in the closing seconds as the great tribulation is ending and you can be a Jehovah's Witness again. Jeff Jackson just taught us that. The governing body just gave everyone listening in that audience and any witness that learns this a license to experience the one thing most every human wants to. Sex. <laughs> That's right. Does Jeff and his guys, when they get in a room, consider this stuff? You're someone who's been hanging out and trying to be celibate because we all know about their obsession with sex. Go do it. You can always say your sorry shrug and show up in the closing seconds of the Great Tribulation after being laid several thousand times. It doesn't matter anymore. If you're a young person and you desperately want to experience lovemaking, now's your chance. Hot sex and everything else they condemn. Everything else. I picked sex because it's their favorite one. There are many others. It's now back on the table in your life. You can go out and run up a body count and just return at the end of the Great Tribulation. Hell, the Great Tribulation means nothing to you now. It doesn't even... They have to change the name. The name alone highlights that Jehovah's Witnesses will be experiencing persecution. But not you. You don't have to. You could go out and live a life of sex, drugs, rock and roll and show up at the end and say, ah, I think I want back in. You can change your mind as soon as the sky goes red and you see the Kenny Rogers army coming down from the heavens with their bows and arrows. Yeah, we can all change our minds. You not only get to have sex, you not only get to party a little, you not only get to go to college, you not only get to have a career, you not only maybe get to smoke some weed, you not only get to grow a beard, you also skipped being persecuted with the other Jehovah's Witnesses during the Great Tribulation. You grabbed your new light Disney-like fast pass and launched yourself into paradise at the last second. Isn't this great? Isn't this great? But a word of caution. I got You know me, I got to look out for you. A word of caution. You only get a thousand years to relax a little in between shoveling and burying billions of dead bodies, people who 
didn't recognize Jehovah's Witnesses. No one can explain that. They're the only ones left now, but I, I just don't want to do it. Eh, actually, I might be able to explain it. <laughs> I've known a few Jehovah's Witnesses I don't want to live forever with. But between shoveling and burying billions of dead bodies, the bodies of people who, for some unknown reason, again, decide they're just not going to do it, they didn't want to take advantage of this new light fast pass because, listen, it's almost like a reprieve from the insanity. You get a thousand years because in a thousand years, you get to do it all over again. When Jesus lets his little brother Satan out to tempt you one more time. Forget reading hearts and all you've been through to get here. Jesus and his son need to be sure about you. But hey, maybe this will be... All, all new soon because new light. Maybe there will be a new fast pass system at the end of the thousand year period too. It's entirely possible. This new light stuff is like a strobe light in an old 70s disco. It just keeps popping. That thousand year rain thing may soon go away too. I know that this has been jumbled. I know that it's been rot with emotion. I'm insane. I get it. But I'm so passionate about people paying attention to this stuff because I know that they'll just accept this as new light. They won't think about all the things that touch it that now mean nothing. They mean nothing. <laughs> They're all useless pieces of a religion that was just obliterated on October 7th, 2023. Some aborigine in the jungle could walk out of the jungle and see that only Jehovah's Witnesses are standing there. Guess what? They get into paradise. They just got to say, well, those people look nice. I guess they're, they're all that's left. <laughs> The religion means nothing. I know it's a long rant, an abbreviated version of the teaching that will rock the world of educated Jehovah's Witnesses. This is going to be talked about forever. I say that because I know many Jehovah's Witnesses will not even know this until some apostate asks them about it. It's not like the majority of Jehovah's Witnesses study or read their Bibles or even attend the annual meeting. Can you imagine in old Bible times, Jehovah's got a festival going in Israel. Every Jew is supposed to show up, but you know, half of them don't. Welcome to the annual meeting of Jehovah's Witnesses. It's the biggest meeting in the world. It's special invite invitation, but also in video. And most of them don't even watch it. <laughs> the absurdity never ends. It just never ends. And it all points to the fact that this is just a deadly cult. It looks like a nice cult. It's a deadly cult. Okay. And now for the second piece of information, the second piece of big news from the 2023 annual meeting of Jehovah's Witnesses. And it was interesting to me because this one seemed to pop with a lot of people. This one seemed to speak to a lot of people and it's understandable why, as you're about to hear, but it, it paled a little bit in comparison to this great tribulation thing. The great tribulation thing just obliterates the religion. I'll move on. The second piece of big news. For the first time since early on in the last century, Jesus told the guys in New York that he is no longer interested in counting field service time. He, those little time slips that were a part of our life for most of us the last 40 years, they were just wastes of trees. Those slips about return visits or placements, garbage. Jesus no longer is requiring that the people on earth that he can watch night and day and knows exactly what they're doing 
also turn in a piece of paper that goes to New York. He's decided that's obsolete. This isn't a small thing. This is massive, people. It's massive. And again, those people in the audience at the annual meeting sit there giggling at the, at the little quips and everything by these guys without sitting there and going, wait a minute, I can think of 10 things that this impacts immediately. They're just there to mail it in. Aside from a tax audit that there was another call every Jehovah's Witness dreaded above all others when you're a witness, it's the call from your book study conductor asking you about your field service time this month. You remember, some guy working for free, collecting statistics for the guys in New York so they could prove that they alone were chosen by Jesus. It was all based on that little piece of paper you filled out and dropped into the box at the Kingdom Hall or gave to your book study conductor. And in a shocking development, it's gone. As of November 1st, Jehovah's Witnesses will not do this anymore. And if you've had any time to think about this, and I know that I will bring more to the fore as I think about it, this is unbelievable. <laughs> because if you really, really give it some thought and what they're doing, in a shocking development, field service apparently no longer matters. Field service doesn't matter anymore. Nah. The very backbone of this entire religion just got mothballed. This is going to make those Jehovah's Witness apologists on social media and this little show's YouTube page really sad. They're going to be really sad. Their long-winded posts where they don't answer any basic questions you ask them about uh, the religion and then even show them from the Bible, those posts that they, that they don't answer are all going to go away. They're very likely not going to post anymore unless they're just looking for an argument because I'm sure they were at least counting an hour a month on a return visit by posting on the YouTube page. But even for you apologists, none of it matters. Nothing you're doing even matters anymore. Gone are the nights of anguish where Jehovah's Witnesses were racked with guilt for only going out in field service for two hours last month, so they would be considered an active publisher. Remember that feeling? Gone are the debates with your conscience on whether you should round up those 20 minutes dropping magazines and laundromats up to 30 minutes so you could make that national average of 10 hours on your publisher card. Gone is the pain it caused you because you had been a Jehovah's Witness for 20 years and you still had never conducted a single Bible study. Gone is all the side-eye you got during memorial season because you just couldn't pioneer like everyone else. Gone is a whole lot of trees. Trees cut down to make those cool time slips. Those pretty blue and yellow Watchtower Awake subscription slips. Your publisher card. Or all those tracks and magazines you put under welcome mats so you could count a placement and stave off the embarrassment of how ineffective it all was. Gone is the memory of those coffee breaks, all those scones and coffee. Gone is feeling a little bad driving outside your territory to make a return visit 
because it eats up 45 minutes and you can count it. Gone is that moment when you start informally witnessing to someone and you just shoot a quick glance to your watch to start your time. It's all gone. Jehovah's Witnesses no longer have to count their field service time or anything that comes with it. Why are we surprised? I'm not surprised. With declining numbers and the data to back up how ineffective door-to-door preaching is, they mothballed the yearbook years ago. The yearbook was a staple in the lives of a Jehovah's Witness. We look forward to it. The numbers were there. That's what they like to push. But there was experiences of what your brothers were doing in other lands. It's all gone. It was all meaningless. They didn't have to be doing it after all, according to Jesus and his nine guys. Apparently, we don't need those encouraging experiences from other lands anymore. No, they went bye-bye, along with all those uh, impressive field service numbers (laughs) that they're no longer collecting on. And I say this because it was just a matter of time. But we aren't going to let them off the hook that easy. At least not not me. We have some observations and a whole lot of questions. I know you're shocked. This is going to be a long one. (laughs) Field service and all those statistics I likened a lot to fantasy football. For those of us that know about that. Field service and those statistics were attached to stuff. Stuff that we were told was highly spiritual and was necessary. You can't just throw it away without considering all the spiritual things that it touches. In the Watchtower, November 15th, 2014, paragraph 13, page 16, we get a long-winded paragraph that goes like this. Quote, Our sacrifices of praise are personal offerings voluntarily made to God because we love him. Do we not love him anymore? Back to the quote, but we've been asked to report our activity in the ministry. So what attitude should we have toward this arrangement? The report we submit each month is connected with our godly devotion. Of course, none of us should feel pressure to devote many hours to the ministry just to be able to turn in a larger report of our share in the field service. That is precisely why a kingdom publisher who is in a nursing home or who is someone incapacitated may report field service in 15-minute increments rather than full hours. Still looking for this in the Bible. Back to the quote, Jehovah appreciates those minutes as the kingdom publisher's best offering and as an expression of love for him and appreciation for the inestimable privilege of serving as one of his witnesses. Just like those Israelites whose circumstances did not allow them to offer some of the more expensive sacrifices, Jehovah's precious servants who have certain limitations can still submit a report. And our individual reports become part of the total world report, which helps the organization to plan ahead for future kingdom preaching activity. So then, is it really asking too much of us that we report our share in the preaching work? End quote. Uh, I'd like to answer, apparently it is, (laughs) as of October 7th. (laughs) Decades 
decades after creating his own gift-giving procedure, Jesus decided that Jehovah no longer wants our gifts of godly devotion. <laughs> Even if you're old in a nursing home and sending him 15 minutes of your precious time, eh, don't worry about it. It's just your love for Jehovah on the line. <laughs> I laugh or I cry. I want to lose my mind, but I'm already tired considering the speech I'm going to give at the end of the Great Tribulation as the guys in heaven aim their bows at me. I feel like I've earned at least a shot those first thousand years, and it will force me to eat a plant-based diet, so I'll keep this brief. <laughs> Where do we even begin? You definitely get the feeling that if you're in a room with those nine guys, they don't do a lot of thinking. They're not very bright. All of this is pulled off their website. All of this was baked into our conscience. All of this destroyed many of our lives. And now it's gone. In a move that looks like preaching did, I don't know, when the great teacher was doing it in the Bible, the governing body has decided he might have been right all along. The king might have had it right all along. You can now witness it will anywhere. No one on earth is watching you or keeping track of how long you were talking to that person over there. Field service, the name alone, I predict, will soon disappear, is gone. It's gone. And while I'm likely to cover this in greater depth down the road, I, I really wasn't that shocked. I immediately, and I do mean immediately, thought of far more serious repercussions. And I had to wonder if I was thinking of this stuff within seconds of hearing this new light, why weren't they thinking it too? <laughs> With counting time a thing of the past, starting in November, you got a little over two weeks to dance in Jesus' old light, if you guys want to. The effects of this will be felt far, far longer. And aside from the overt stupidity of those nine men, I, I just can't believe there's not one of them that doesn't go, uh, hey, hey, I, this is going to impact like six or eight other basic doctrines that we've taught people for a century. And then I got to tell you, and even as I say this, I got to wonder about Tony Morris. And if he of all people, likely with a buzz on, literally went, uh, guys, this isn't very bright. This is what's going to happen if you mothball uh, field service reports. And so he's a goner. You got to wonder. But here we go. I've got on a long time. In what is rapidly becoming a segment on this little show, here are my random thoughts on no longer counting field service time or turning in field service reports. <sighs> Warning, there's going to be a lot of questions to explore in coming weeks. How about this? How many of us from past generations are sitting here realizing that it's over? Does anyone think Jehovah's Witnesses will be running out the door to service on Saturday mornings anymore? Without these guardrails of monthly averages and time slips, we're going to become an antique generation. Those of us that were witnesses and grew up in the last 40 years in this thing, we're going to be like an urban myth, an antique generation. 
because soon none of the younger generations of J-dubs will even know what the preaching work was. Because everybody stopped doing it. And they're going to, people. They already have, which is part of the reason for this new light. The numbers are so bad that they've just decided to mothball the whole thing. Slowly. This was the first Band-Aid they ripped off. We don't need your time. First, actually, the yearbook was the first one. Now it's this. We don't even need your numbers anymore. Uh-huh. For those of us that are a little older and grew up as pioneers or field service was all we ever did and we gave up everything to do it, we're going to become an antique generation, a museum piece in the lore of Jehovah's Witnesses. It's coming. How about this? Most people are wondering, and, and I've even had people ask me my opinion, when and why did Jesus change his mind on collecting our time? We know it was announced last Saturday, October 7th. Why did he want it, though, for decades prior to that? With all that paper he was pumping out of his publishing company, wasn't he actually ruining the earth by downing tree after tree after tree in order to get all of mankind into a world where they could live with uh, trees? If you grew up a Jehovah's Witness, you know about the amount of slips. If you were an elder, you know about the amount of other slips. Paper slips, tracks, magazine. What? Why did Jesus suddenly decide he doesn't want any of this anymore? Well, I'm here to tell you I've got a few theories on why I think this is being eliminated. I've had a week to think about it, and I'll probably think of more in coming weeks. But I want to emphasize the word theory. This is my opinion. Did I emphasize that heavily enough? This is only my opinion. I happen to think that this elimination of field service reports, time, and by extension, uh, publisher cards, lots of questions there. I happen to think that this, is, that this new light is partly a legal move. I think it's a legal move. I think it may be the first step in protecting themselves legally. Think about it. With no need to collect time, they can begin to insulate themselves from the obvious. They send pedophiles to their neighbor's doors. It's not deniable, folks. They send pedophiles to their neighbor's doors. And these are just my thoughts. But imagine the next court case where one of these asses gets on the stand and says, we follow in Jesus' footsteps and encourage everyone to speak from the heart wherever they see interests, we don't record how or when they do that. Oh, you have a question about that bad guy over there? Oh, no, no clue how he was witnessing or where he was witnessing. Nope, we don't know anything about him. Nope, he, he just came to a kingdom hall. Don't know anything about him. Do you have any records? No, 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 no records. No time cards, no nothing. A Christian's uh, responsibility is to talk about the kingdom. That's all we preach. We don't send them to the doors legal. I couldn't help but wonder if this also centered around the publisher cards themselves, historically kept in a little tin box under lock and key in the Kingdom Hall. I have to wonder what eliminating publisher cards could do for protecting these guys from litigation. Are you with me on this? If they don't have a publisher card and they don't have any report of someone going out in field service, was that pedophile you arrested ever really a Jehovah's Witness at all? Think about it. 
I'll share more thoughts on this in the future, but you can bet there's a reason for this move. It comes on the heels of the state of Pennsylvania legal battle, the Australian Commission some years ago, and isn't it interesting? Good old Tony Morris disappearing. Something stinks, and it doesn't start in heaven. How about this thought? Might be alone here, but I doubt it. For you ladies out there, you beautiful women who were raised at Jehovah's Witness, and the beautiful women who may be Jehovah's Witnesses that are bravely listening in, thank you for being here. But, but I have to ask you, how will you sisters find a good Jehovah's Witness husband without knowing his field service average? How are you going to find a man? <laughs> From the Watchtower of 2000, October 15th, pages 21 through 24, have I made the Holy Spirit my personal helper, is the article? We get this. Quote, to a Christian seeking a marriage mate, the Bible provides spirit-inspired advice. In a way, it says, look beyond the face and the figure. Look at the feet. The feet? I'm just going to interject right now. I am dying to make some highly inappropriate jokes. It centers around OnlyFans, fetish, and everything else. I'm going to move on. Just know that I thought it. <laughs> Back to the quote. Look at the feet. The feet? Yes. In this sense, are they being used? to carry out Jehovah's work of preaching the good news? And are they thus comely, as it were, in his sight? Are they shod with the message of truth and the good news of peace? End quote. Comely, one of the worst words ever. Right up there was similarly. But did you get the drift? If you're seeking a marriage mate, what do they do in field service? How are the ladies going to know? Watchtower of 1988. November 1st, pages 15 and 16, choosing the right mate, tells us this, quote, To marry only in the Lord means to enter wedlock only with a fellow believer. But a Christian should not rush into marriage, even to a person dedicated to Jehovah. Does the individual really seek righteousness and meekness? Is he or she serving God wholeheartedly? Does the person speak from a heart filled with loving expressions of praise to Jehovah? Is the field ministry a regular and principal part of the individual's life? Does he or she have the needed qualifications for the ministry and for Christian marriage? End quote. Incidentally, rarely pushed on a Jehovah's Witness male. Because, you know, I won't get into the misogyny. We've discussed it. But for a sister, she approaches the elders or anyone else. They, 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 look, this is the first thing they say. Is he good? Is he a minister of God? Is he a good man? Is he witnessing? What's his field service average? Oh, it's only two hours? Will he really make a good husband? Guess what, folks? No longer will they know. Isn't this new change going to make this conversation awkward? A guy could tell a sister he is a regular publisher now. She could even ask the elders if he's a good publisher. And well, the fact is, nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Sisters were constantly hit with this in the 80s and 90s. Oh, you should pick a servant, a ministerial servant, an elder, a pioneer. <laughs> She's not going to have anywhere to know now. What are the brothers going to say to her now? One of the many things that entered my mind about this elimination of field service reports. But finally, my favorite, and I can't be alone on this. My favorite question is this. 
With the elimination of field service reports and knowing what someone's field service average is monthly, how in the hell are elders and ministerial servants going to be chosen? How are they going to be chosen? Where are my fellow elders at? I hope a few are listening. Did this immediately pop into your mind as well? It was immediate for me. Ah, yes, the appointment of elders and ministerial servants. See a past episode for more. But if you know, you know. And while the Bible itself gives some reasonable guidelines for shepherds and servants, you can virtually throw it all out, that being the Bible, not kidding, when it comes to whether a man is appointed as a Jehovah's Witness elder or not. You can almost sense the irritation in a circuit overseer when several elders throw out a name and begin sharing what a great person this man is, how he is loving, how he has great character. He's a good man. In my 11 years as an elder, I learned quickly that none of that mattered. (laughs) My first elders meeting where we appointed someone, myself newly appointed, was a shock to the system because it all comes down to handing the circuit overseer which has changed a bit, his publisher card. And the only question that circuit overseer ever wanted answered was this. What is this man's monthly field service average? That was it. That was it. If it was over the national average, what was 10 hours a month back in my day, there was a very good chance he was the next guy admitted into the Holy Spirit Club. The congregation had a new elder. So naturally, when I heard this news, my first thoughts were, wow, they're actually going to appoint men based on their character and conduct now, like the Bible told them to do. (laughs) New light just reverts back to old light. What will be the all-important question that, if answered positively, gets this guy into the elders club now? And wow. On the negative side, what is this going to do for eliminating some real turds that have no business being a shepherd? You could get rid of them quickly in that meeting when their average for the month in field service was below 10. Yeah, yeah, you guys say he's a good guy. Most of us know he's not, but he's only getting eight hours. He just doesn't qualify. So now will we expect to see an influx of some real turds getting into the elders club? I predict yes, (laughs) as if nepotism in that arrangement didn't already exist, and politics, and so much more. You know what? It just hit me. Scratch that. I think I know what that question will be. The elders go on a long diatribe about how great this man is. They whip out Second Timothy. They're, They're telling you all about his character traits. I think... In my time, the circuit overseer wanted his publisher card, wanted to know what his monthly hours were. I think I know what the new question will be. Here's a prediction. The circuit overseer will then look up. He'll look at all the elders and he'll say, has this guy ever harmed a child before? No, no, he hasn't. No record of that. Okay, let's make him an elder. No Holy Spirit was used in this message. I want to laugh, but it's just not funny. But if you think I'm wrong, I'm not. You can bet that conversation will be had now. 
field service will go by the wayside in favor of litigation. If we put this guy in the club, is there any danger down the road? But in the end, the hammer they've used on everyone for decades, from publisher to pioneers to elders with their field service time, that hammer is gone as of November 1st. I predict there's going to be fallout, big time fallout on this with the old timers in the organization dealing with the newbies who love this. The old timers living a life of trying to get those hours. The newbies going, haha, none of it mattered. <laughs> They'll struggle to know how to judge them. That's not a small comment. Field service was the judging tool, and it's gone. And in addition, I think that eliminating field service reports is all about control. For years, they've been pushing their version of the golden calf. It's all about the website, jw.org. They've even narrowed down the public talks to manuscripts and shaved 15 minutes off them. They've got people out there with tablets that just hand them to people. Teaching, and the art of teaching, is long gone. You can just stand next to a book card. And then there's the videos and GW Broadcasting where they control the messaging. They control everything. Eliminating the grip on field service and collecting time, they gain control and they give up any responsibility over the greatest variable of all, people. We're going to hear it. We didn't send a criminal to your door. Or, oh, they got the message wrong. We don't teach that. Here's a video. Control. And with the elimination of all things field service report, that control and their grip on these people just gets stronger. Think about it. This has been long. I apologize. This came from the heart. And what I say next comes from the heart. Jehovah's Witnesses should be angry. Thousands of those that were part of that last generation that the rest of us are overlapping with <laughs> made real-world sacrifices in their lives. People lost everything. They ran around this planet teaching old light. And as it turns out, it didn't matter. Those that knew it was bullshit will be resurrected anyway. And those that don't believe and are alive during the Great Tribulation will benefit from the visible proof that they were right and instantaneously commit themselves to Jehovah's Witnesses. Who cares about the time slips? <laughs> they don't matter. And in the end, it's clear to me that they're rebranding this religion for future generations. I predict that they will soon look for small, subtle changes to things like disfellowshipping and then bury it on the last page of the Watchtower. They've been doing this with blood for 20 plus years. Fractions, machines, how to extend your circulatory system, all for a doctrine that doesn't exist in the Bible anyway. 
Both of those two will be tricky because both will open them to litigation. And I think they're greasing the skid. But in my mind, it's really never been more important for us to keep the history of this organization alive. Educate. Create awareness. This organization, even in the last seven days, is vastly different from the one I wasted my life in for 40 plus years as a Jehovah's Witness. It's surreal and it gives me goosebumps to think that soon younger people won't believe the things we tell them, the things we endured in our time as a Jehovah's Witness. They won't know about outdoor stadiums or live orchestras playing the songs. They won't know about the old songbooks. They won't know about time slips. There's so much they won't know. They're rebranding. I'm reminded of a quote from Aesop's Fables, where in a little story known as The Boy Who Cried Wolf, Aesop said this, A liar will not be believed, even when he speaks the truth. But if you're a Jehovah's Witness in October 2023, what is the truth? Wherever you may be, be well.